This week on Media Delta, we discuss the sci-fi classic, Aliens. There are some movies in the universe you don't want to watch alone. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Media Delta. Um, I feel like after the last couple of things we've had to watch, we probably should get in... We haven't had like a court, like a pure like milestone or like cornerstone of an entire genre. So I figured we should probably rectify that. Uh, and this week we are taking a look at kind of one of the quintessential sci-fi movies, uh, that being James Cameron's Aliens, a uh, sequel to the original, I believe, Ridley Scott's Alien. Yes, I think. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is a pretty big one. Um very 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 influential um and i am not the only one who watched this and in fact i have more people than usual here so in alphabetical order please introduce yourselves hi i'm axe and i'm afraid to say it's game over man good evening my name is chachi i'm pleased to be here hello i'm norman rafferty and i actually own the leading edge aliens role-playing game hi i'm torpid typist and i'm here for the implied death of children yes so, yeah, Aliens. Um, it's a pretty big one. Uh, and if you are not familiar with this movie, uh, it is. it takes place essentially, what's it, 57 years after the original Alien? Yes. Give or take. Uh, which it is 57. Was, they said it at the beginning. Exactly 57. Yeah. I couldn't, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember. I'm pretty, yeah, I couldn't remember if that was the exact year. But Five I know, score in seven years. It's, it's a pretty far... It's at least 50 years after the original Alien, uh, which... If you're not familiar with that movie, uh, there is a spaceship. Uh, it gets an alien on it, and things happen. Alien uh, singular. This is important. Yes, yes because it this was movie is alien. Yeah, this movie is aliens. The first movie is alien. Which so do you think there were multiple right. aliens? Okay, but let's not forget that in like promotional material, that the the S was a two. This is yeah. important. It was genius. Alien uh, twos. Yeah, and I, I think in I think in some territories they did just straight up call it Alien Two. Alien uh, Stew. <laughs> yeah. But there there's practically an Alien Stew in this movie at quite a lot of times. Delicious um, Alien Stew. So, um, kind of go through this. Um, I have a set of questions to kind of kind of go over this quintessential movie. Um, so in alphabetical order, uh, starting with X. Um, what was your general impression, and is there any particular element about this movie that you'd like to bring up? Um, I mean, my general impression is this is one of the most important sci-fi films, and you mentioned that at the beginning. And it, so much has come after it that's aped things that have happened to this. Uh, yeah, I, I, Bill Paxton's in this. Rest in peace. Um, and one of my one of my favorite roles. I, I I came I came to this movie for Bill Paxton, to be quite honest. And there's so much going on around as well um but it's just the the whole movie is a weird shift from the first one but it's not right away you know you sort of, sort of ease into it and then it just it punches everything up in the it like within the first after the first act is done and and then from there it's it's almost like it's a complete film from the first one but that's but it does it in such a way where it's actually enjoyable and it doesn't take away from the experience like if you were trying to do this with john carpenter's the thing side-eyeing the game um it wouldn't work but for this like it not only worked but it set the tone for later sci-fi horror films i can't believe it ripped off halo <laughs> shut the fuck up i can't believe it ripped off a lot of things 
um yeah um so is there any particular just like scene or element you'd want to bring up i mean come on i bill paxton just about any scene with him and it was fantastic the game over scene is iconic to the point of just pure memory and i mean alien 3 sucks <laughs> <That's>... I mean, <laughs> yes um i've not seen alien 3 or it alien sucks. cubed uh, but i've not heard good things about that movie. it's not worth it it, Look, um, it it sucks the thing to remember here is bill paxton is very good at dying yes i'm trying to but he, he also eats the scenes when he's in them. He's just so yes. in he's so in his role, and it's just great to watch him. Right. He, uh, he was Hicks, right? Yes, he was Hicks. No, no, he was Hudson. Hudson. Yeah, Hicks, okay. Hicks is the one I, that, that I, I kind of forgot end. the name. Yeah. Hicks, Hicks is Michael Bane, which is also important for other yeah. reasons. Okay. And it, it's just, I, I stand firmly by this that Bill Paxton was extremely underrated. He was he's such a good actor. and To be fair, everyone was busy looking at Sigourney Weaver. This is also yeah. true. Also, Twister um, is a great film. That's all I have to say. Thankfully, <laughs> there was never a Twister video game. Um, <laughs> I'm going to make a retro Twister game. Anyway, uh, Chachi, what about you? What are your general impressions? And what if there's anything you want to bring up? Could be a scene or any other element. With full disclosure of my incredible nigh-rabid bias... I do want to briefly echo sentiment that Aliens in the genre of science fiction is a seminal work. I think the thing to remember about the movie is how close it came to crashing and burning at all times. This is a this is a not unknown piece of trivia about the film, but it never got any test screenings because they weren't done with important components of the film, like scoring it until maybe a week and a half or two weeks before it was uh, finished. It might've been like even, even only eight days. Um, there were, there were a lot of things that were, desperately desperately needed to create the air of verisimilitude that james cameron was going for he he you can tell that he had he held the original 1979 film in very high regard and he worked really hard to try and recreate the feel of it sometimes in a vacuum a lot of the original props and miniatures that were used in order to create the environments that that ripley found herself in in the 1979 film were either badly damaged destroyed or decommissioned so they had to be built from scratch and the fact that it was not immediately obvious that those set components were fabricated again for the second film speaks a lot to the dedication of the crew uh with whom he actually had some trouble. Um, they were, a lot of the people who worked on the production staff for Aliens were members of the same production crew who worked on Alien in 1979, and they were oddly, fiercely loyal to Ridley Scott. Um, Cameron tried to win them over by having a private screening of, uh, of Terminator for them. Or maybe it was Terminator 2. No, it's... It it's Terminator because to, to put this in slightly more perspective, um, Terminator hadn't come out yet. Like like James the when he started production on this movie, so yeah, so he did the private screening because that movie wasn't even out. No one knew Cameron was in 1984, 85. 
especially not in the UK, is the thing. And um, as a result, a lot of the crew actually snubbed it. He was trying to show them his stuff and and display his chops, and they just sort of shrugged. Uh, but I think the film that we got speaks a lot to both their ability to be broad-minded about the new member and as well as Cameron's ability as a director to go into a, a, an actively hostile situation and make something like Aliens is frankly nothing short of a moonshot. It's it's really, really impressive. Yes. Um, kind of looking at some of the, at least if Wikipedia is to be believed, uh, apparently the composer, one James Homer, uh, composed the sound score, or at least recorded the score in four days. Uh, it was six weeks from theatrical release, and there had been not been any dubbing, or none of the score has even been written at that point. Yeah, and he had, he he won it, and he won uh, an Academy Award for the score in this movie, or nomination for the original score, um, which is kind of impressive. Um, so Rafferty, what about you? Yeah, I was. I'm totally agreeing with 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 Chachi here that, um, be, because I, a lot of people you, I know this movie has a reputation for being very seminal, but there's a big break here because not only was the crew really loyal to Ridley Scott, but we also live in the world where Prometheus and Alien Covenant have come out, which are almost nothing like this Aliens movie. So, uh, I mean, a lot, I know a lot of people have fond memories of, of this Aliens because, like we, you said earlier in the intro, so many people have imitated it. Uh, and, and so, yeah, when I first saw it, it was like, wow. I mean, this is, this is basically the seminal movie of the Space Marine because, like you said, but Halo. Um, sometimes people talk about this movie being, like, the real Starship Troopers movie because there's a lot of elements from the original book of Starship Troopers. I mean, I know there's a movie, but the movie is more of a political satire, whereas this one, you've got the boot camp and the Marines. And so, yeah, I can understand why the original, uh, the Pinewood Studios people were kind of against this, because the original Alien movie, the 79 movie, is very much a dark, moody type of new Hollywood type movie where it's like Jaws, where you don't really see the monster and it's preying on people and very cerebral. And then you get to this Aliens movie, which is very much an action movie. It's a smart movie. It's an action movie, but it's very different. And this kind of split the franchise to the point where I think like Ridley Scott keeps trying to remake the original Alien, but we're not here to talk about Prometheus stuff. We're here to talk about Aliens and how awesome it is. And I, I guess how much it influenced video games and stuff. So um, yeah, I mean, Everything Chachi said, it's amazing that this movie got made and it's amazing. It looks good. I guess if I want to pick one thing is, did you guys notice there's rear projection in this movie? Yeah, I did not. Yeah, because um, rear projection is a technique that was used a lot in the 40s and 50s where people would act in front of a movie screen. Uh, and that kind of faded away because it looks super fakey a lot. And so there are a couple shots in this movie that use that technique. And that's just it so weird. Goofy. It's so goofy. It looks really goofy in the, in the Blu-ray transfer, which I was watching it on, but uh, it's rare. And I just wanted to, I thought that was weird because that's making a comeback. Have you guys been watching The Mandalorian at all? Uh, I have not. Okay. Well, the behind the scenes of The Mandalorian is that ILM has this super rear projection setup where people go into a stage and they act in front of a projection, but they're using CGI then, you know, mask it out later so you don't even notice. So I thought that was... It, I didn't notice that at first, but Aliens uses that technique in a couple spots. They try to hide it, but I think you guys did see it. So 
Um, yeah, it is an amazing movie that it even got made. He uses a lot of practical effects. Yeah, the effects in this movie are fantastic. Um, to be said, I mean, this is a James Cameron work after all. Um, say what you will about the guy. Uh, he does really good practical effects work. I mean, he he used to be a lot more than just being known for Avatar. He did a lot of stuff, even as bad as Titanic was. The work he did on it was phenomenal. It's just once he hit Avatar, he kind of stuck to one thing. But yeah. he also I'm glad production's going great on on the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> but he also directed Piranha Two, and they used one of the Piranha Two effects in this movie when the um hugger tries to jump up on uh, uh, Ripley and Newt's faces. They used the same technique they used for the piranha to jump out of the water in Piranha Two. I thought that was funny. Huh. Mm. Yep. So, uh, what about you, Torpo? Uh, oh man. Um. Yeah, you gotta answer questions, Torpo. I I really liked this movie. It was a good movie. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so it's a fucking long ass movie, and that is gonna be my biggest complaint. Is it's we watch the director's cut like fools. <laughs> And yeah. it, the pacing to, is a bit jank in that. Like, there's a lot of to, lulls, which... Hmm? To be fair, uh, the director cut is... What was it? Two minutes... Two hours, two 34. Hours, 34. Uh, the theatrical cut's, like, two hours and 15. So... <laughs> okay, but, like, I once did a marathon of all three Alien movies in one day. I'm sorry. That's yeah. a lot. A, I watched Aliens th- Alien 3, which was already a, tr- a, t- a terrible idea, and then watching I mean, that- it could have been worse, and you we know got, it. I'll we say, got done at 2 in the morning. It fucking sucked. To be fair, I think I remember watching the entirety of the long cut of uh, Red Cliff Why? in one sitting, which was not a smart idea. Why? Because, uh, I-, I don't know, I was on a, I was on a Three <laughs> Kingdoms kick at that point. Um, Sucking oh, cost no. fallacy. I'm in too deep. Gotta keep going. Oh. Yep. Uh, for the I mean, it could be worse. It could be worse, because I remember, uh, not so fondly, uh, watching with a group of people Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> right. Um, Which, for reference, that is incredibly fucking long. Yeah. Uh, so is Regardless, there any, any so particular scene you'd want? Or going back to what I was saying, I, I will say, like, none of the, the scenes feel wasted, I will say. But there are definite lulls in the pacings a bit off because it leads to just being incredibly long. Uh, that said, I do appreciate the slow ramp up to the action, I guess. Yeah, this this movie is essentially the movie equivalent of the song In the Air Tonight. Because it starts out <laughs> very slow and like there's like, okay, things I guess are happening. Uh, but once it kicks up, it kicks up. And it kicks up hard. Yeah, and then it slows down for a little bit more, and then it really kicks up, and it just, it's also got this sort of ramping up of the ridiculousness, I guess. Yeah. Which I do appreciate. It almost feels like it's going to start trying to go the same direction as the first one, and then it it sort of goes and just kind of amps things up and becomes, you know, more action-y. Yep. And then it ends with... Kind of more, really abruptly... Kind of, yeah, but also it's it's got the big loader scene that yeah. everyone fucking remembers. It's like the real peak of the action, you know, where Marines aren't killing each other like dipshits. Yeah. 
metaphorically it, speaking by the end of the loader scene the audience is basically feeling the way bishop looks we're completely spent <laughs> we're covered in fluid and it's time to sleep spoiled milk fucking everywhere you know <laughs> <laughs> but no it's it's the movie ends and then it ends that's the end of the movie that's the end of the franchise there's nothing that comes after it that completely shits all over the ending of the, that movie it's totally fine uh but yeah. also like uh, fun fact about Lance Henriksen uh, is that he had privately pledged to quit acting if that role didn't work out for him. <laughs> so he's going to Sean Connery it, basically. I guess. Is there uh, another extraordinary another fun thing game? to mention about so. Lance Henriksen is that um, I, I have two things, actually. Uh, the first is that I think it was him who floated the idea of having Bishop put his hand over Hudson's during the knife trick. Yes. And Nobody told Bill Paxton, uh, which is pretty funny to think about. The second is that he proposed to wear a set of uh, double iris contact lenses during the scene where he is performing an autopsy on some of the expired face huggers that they discover in the colony. And James said, you're being creepy enough. <laughs> uh, also fun fact about that knife scene is in one of the takes he did actually graze paxton's hand <laughs> yep great poor it paxton also, it was also great because this this actually was the first time i'd seen it so um i because i kind of in the back of my head knew that there was an android character i forgot which one it was so i was expecting them to kind of pull the stunt that they did in alien to where it's like oh hey there's basically a hidden android but no they just kind of bring that up pretty quickly and i kind of like i just kind of see atlanta hendricks and i'm like mm, i bet you that guy's an android <laughs> <laughs> it's to be fair they make it very obvious in the way he moves and talks and what he does especially with the knife scene given the yeah. context of this film in comparison to the first, it's also great narrative because we get to we get an immediate sense of the trauma that Ripley experienced in the first film, even if we've never seen it. And second, if you have seen the first film, it's an excellent red herring because you're expecting Bishop, the person who is preternaturally fast and good with knives and kind of freaky, you're really expecting him to do a sudden heel or a face heel turn and you know and get somebody at a critical moment. And and I think that's I think that's an excellent an excellent turn. Uh, it really speaks to the fact that Cameron knew something about the precursor film and wanted to play with it a little bit. And he he didn't just you know say oh yeah there was a first film whatever like he did his research on it and he included elements of the first film to kind of enhance the second film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll like I said a little earlier, um, this was my first time seeing this film and. I like I was kind of surprised at how much of a slow build this was because I I kind of just learned from or knew from osmosis that they just did be kind of become an action movie like this was far more action based than the original. Um, but this I was not expecting it to be one this long and two uh, that slow of a build because um, I was watching this. I'm like. Yeah, it seems like at the start they were trying to make it feel somewhat like the original, but then at a point it just kind of goes out into well, aliens. It it just well, becomes that kind of thing. Which cut did you watch? Uh, the director's cut. 
Okay, yeah, because I originally saw this in the theater, and the big noticeable change is in the director's cut, they have uh, the colonists drive out to the landing site. So Newt and her family get to experience the, the aliens for the first time. That entire sequence is not in the original theater version. So when you talk about a slow build, I mean, the pro- they put that in there so they immediately hint, oh yeah, there's going to be weirdness of the aliens and the whole thing of you see the colony and you see them talking about the kids that are there and you see all that kind of stuff. And then, oh, they discover the aliens. None of that was in the original theater cut. So imagine if you just saw the movie of they get Ripley, no one believes Ripley's story, they ask Ripley to go to the planet, and then they go to the planet. You'd go like 30 minutes without seeing anything even remotely alien, which is an even slower build. And and I have to say that after watching both of them, I think the slower build, I think the theatrical cut uh, is, is better in that regard. I will hmm. say... Um you mentioning that scene that's why i was joking earlier about the implied death of children <laughs> yeah because it showed a bunch of children that opening bit and they sure as fuck weren't there later yep and that's we whale and yutani tricycle they were just they were just playing hide and seek somewhere else to work it come the on branded trike i want a branded trike and they're, they're playing hide in an, in an alien cocoon right yeah exactly jesus christ lolo <laughs> <laughs> oh, should we not tell Lolo they just killed a kid in Alien 3? <laughs> is Alien 3 the one with the basketball scene? Yeah. Oh, okay. That no, was, no, that's no, a, that's part. actually Alien Resurrection. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Alien 3 just takes place on a prison planet, and yeah, a woman on a prison planet, it, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know that there is a direct video game based off Alien 3 for the Super Nintendo. There is. Nintendo. There is. There's, like a, there's a lot of them. Oh, I had it for the Sega Genesis. The, I had the SNES one. Yeah. So we um, should do that, and then we'll talk about more about Alien 3. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that was kind of my thoughts on Aliens. Um, or at least my general impressions. Uh, so, going in reverse, um, Torpo, what were your thoughts, or how do you feel about the setting slash characters of this movie? I mean, the setting's pretty neat, I guess. It's... I'd say it's, like, standard sci-fi, but it helps that this inspired a lot of shit that came after, so it's kind of in that regard. And the focus is always the the aliens, which were uh, more emphasized, though it does, like, uh, so many sci-fi enjoy taking the piss out of capitalism, and I deeply appreciate that with Waylon yutani and their complete inability to react or trust anything that uh, Ripley said in any way. And how this entire thing is like, oh... Yeah, it's like, yeah, well, we're, we're going to get you out. Uh, I, actually, I, we need to keep those aliens alive so we can get a lot of money off of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like a good science a fiction work. Yeah. A shake and bake colony. <laughs> Still a good name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in, char- in general, I thought the characters were all right. Uh, Hicks definitely goes through a, a bit of character development over the course of the movie, which I appreciate because he starts off as a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. But but gets better. Uh, Newt was the the designated child, and that's really the most I can say about her. <laughs> uh, Ripley was fucking great. Sigourney Weaver did an incredible job, like absolutely fantastic job. Uh, and I appreciate learning that uh, after looking at the script, she actually gave uh, Cameron notes on how she thought Ripley would react uh, and feel to various things, uh, and he took them. It was Good actually fuck with Sigourney Weaver. You don't. You don't. Uh, and it was it was really nice having this sort of horror action hero who isn't constantly cowering, but is clearly like vulnerable, uh, as shown with her trying to 
essentially get over her trauma related to the aliens, which doesn't quite work out, but you know. <laughs> you do what you do. Yeah, you get by. Yeah, Zigourney Weaver did an absolutely amazing job. Um, the rest of the Marines, I, I, for the most part, aside from, I guess, Bishop, who, once again, was absolutely fantastic, as we've gone over previously. Uh, and I honestly, is probably one of my favorite characters of the movie as a whole. Uh, I, I feel like the rest of the Marines weren't quite as memorable, because they were just kind of... Hudson, though. What about Hudson? Hudson, Bill Paxton. I mean, yes, yes, okay, Bill Paxton, you're right, you're right, Paxton was great, too, as, like, pure fucking cheese <laughs> oozing yeah. all over the set. The guy who's designated to shit his pants. <laughs> I still love how we were watching the movie because, like, Lolo had passing familiarity but didn't actually know it. Uh, like, just the oh, entire yeah. movie was like, we kept thinking he'd say the line, but he wouldn't say it. He didn't. <laughs> it was, it was great. Because at some point, uh, we were waiting. It, like, it was like, he was freaking out that at one point we were like, oh, is he going to say it? And then no. But no, then Ripley says one of the other <laughs> more lines from this movie. The nuke it from orbit scene or thing, which is kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. That's where this that's where that line comes from. Yeah, so I think it's not until like halfway through the film that you finally get to the game over man scene. It's no. more than halfway. Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> it's, it's deep in there. Yeah. Because they have to go through that entire uh failed. Yeah. Everything uh, just has to go completely to shit. Yeah. But yeah, it's my, my one complaint would be that most of the Marines are quite obviously alien fodder in it shows. Yep. Because they get no real development or they're just giant assholes the whole way through. But uh, that said, uh, going back to the setting real quick, the designs, like the, the actual set work, like the designs for the ships and the loaders and the aliens and all that were absolutely fucking incredible. The practical effects were really solid. And also uh, the puppets they used for the aliens were really, really fucking good. Uh, yes. And another fun fact, the Alien Queen was designed by Cameron. Hmm. Yep, uh, they did not actually bring Giger on for this film. Yep. Uh, they did, however, because I don't want to forget uh, this, but uh, they did bring Sid Mead on for this movie. Yep. Uh, so, yep. Same person who did Tron in 2010 and Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Yep, they yep. also hired also, Ron Cobb. Also, uh, Sid Mead's terraforming for the Turbo Graphics. <laughs> And the creature uh, effects, uh, Stan Winston, uh, who also did Jurassic Park. And he also worked on The Suffering, the video game. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, is that is that what you had said? Uh, also, the cat is the best character. No, I'm yes, right. thank you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'm glad that they left the cat at her apartment <laughs> where it is safe. <laughs> <laughs> The cat was the, the cat best part of the first movie. The cat did not die. The cat lived. Yes. The cat um, was the best character in the first movie and the best character in the movie. Uh, so, uh, Rafferty, what about you? What are your thoughts? Uh, I'd echo a lot of those. I mean, this I know this might sound a little controversial, but one thing I've, I've appreciated about the better camera movies is how the characters uh, act sensibly and in their best interests. And that's going to might sound a little weird, but also, like, there's a scene where the the... Face huggers are loose, and so Ripley calls for help. And when Hudson comes in there, who's the comic relief, the game over guy, uh, needs to shoot the alien, he tells the kid to step back, and then he shoots it, and he he rips the clip. He uses way too many bullets to kill it, which is nice because they keep warning everybody else, um, hey, um, because Hicks will later say, remember, short controlled bursts. And it's a nice callback to 
Hudson's lost his shit, but Hicks is still in control. And uh, I mean, the, you you see other bits like when Newt, the kid, uh, sleeps under the bed instead of on top of it because she's got PTSD and is a survivor. Uh, when the kid needs attention, she just yells people's names because she's a kid, but she knows the layout. When she's told to um, run and hide from the alien queen, she finds a small crawl space to hide in instead of running out the airlock because that's what Newt does. She finds small crawl spaces to hide in. These little neat little bits that creep into the movie uh, and what you're not seeing in these movies that you unfortunately see in Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, some of the sequel stuff, are characters just being stupid either because the plot requires them to be or they want to build up tension. That doesn't happen in Cameron's better movies and it doesn't happen in this one. That's what really makes this movie heart-pounding and tense. The characters might be emotional and they might be reacting to things or they might be self-serving corporate bastards, but everything they're doing is doing because it's in the moment and it's for a reason. It it doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel like a fake action movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of nice touches like that. Um, is that, is that it for you? Well, I, you may also want to mention, like you guys also mentioned the props, like the unusual stuff. I didn't notice this till I read notes in the movies. So when they go to the lab and the facehuggers are in the lab, first of all, they're kept alive because uh, they um, uh, don't want them to die because when they die, they have acid for blood. They dissolve. But I didn't notice this, but there's water moving in the tank. And the reason why that's in there is in case the creatures bleed, they would bleed acid, which would dissolve everything. So there's moving water in the tank, not just for a visual effect, but to wash away the acid in case they get wounded. And it's like, these are neat little, there's all these neat little practical bits built into the movie that they thought about all this kind of stuff. They thought about having the APC have a, um, a turret that can be lowered and raised. Uh, they loot the auto guns and then use the auto guns in an intelligent way in the movie. All those like neat little bits. That's what I really love about these movies is they reward you for paying attention. Yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, what about you, Chachi? Boy, the characters in the setting. Um, a lot of the points that I would hit have already been touched on pretty effectively. I will say that I think that the whole film really feels like a breathing organism in many ways. The set serves the narrative just as much as the script and the actors do, especially when you get to the latter act of the film where we are moving away from the, the relative familiarity and safety of the human construction on LV-426 and back again into the alien hive. And there's this there's this real ebb and flow of tension and the 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 way that they make use of all of these little visual touches like how after the after the plasma core gets damaged and is getting ready to overload you start to see things like steam pipes are 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 so overtaxed that they're glowing red hot and it's never it's never really brought up for any reason other than to enhance the fact that things are really going to shit and the the bizarre sort of dreamlike liquid state of light and dark you see in the hive while ripley is trying to seek out newt with the um with the radio locator and then the absolute abject horror which comes just a split second after Ripley manages to get Newt 
out of her cocoon and shoot the facehugger that's about to infest her. And they realize that they've stumbled directly into the lair of something that is way, way worse than anything they've ever seen before is just is masterful, really. Um, regarding yeah. the characters, I think that one thing that Rafferty brought up, which I I was thinking about a counterpoint too, but I think actually enhances his point, is he said that all the characters acted in their interest and they don't really do anything stupid. From a narrative standpoint, you do see some of the Marines do some pretty dumb stuff. Like they take live ammunition and explosives into the hive against the orders of their commander. However, their commanding officer was a newly promoted lieutenant that they didn't trust. So from the point of view of some of them who are ex-cons who have been doing this just to try to stay alive, they feel like they already know what they're doing and don't need to be told by somebody who, metaphorically speaking, hasn't even had his balls drop yet in terms of military experience. I think that's enhanced by the fact that... that um, I'm sorry? That's what he even said that he did only one drop that wasn't in VR. Yeah. And um, Cameron even accounted for this. He had everybody except for Sigourney Weaver, Paul Reiser, and William Hope, who played Gorman, uh, well, and Michael Bean. Uh, Michael, he he didn't take part in this because he was brought in as a last-minute substitution for James Remar. Um, but everybody else who was going to play a Marine got trained for two weeks by SAS and uh, Al Matthews, who played Sergeant Apone, because he was actually a sergeant in Vietnam. Um, but uh, Sigourney, Paul, and William, they didn't take part in that training. And I think it really enhanced the, it enhanced the sense that Gorman was out of his depth. Um, and again, he does some things that are definitely inadvisable on a personal level, but he's doing it because he wants to try to assert himself and prove that he can be a good squad leader. It doesn't go well, but again, like Rafferty said, it's not to the point of pathologically illogical. He's he's doing it with a goal, and it just doesn't work out. Yes, you, you can definitely see that kind of thing in the acting in this movie. Um, um actually, it, real quick, I will say, Chachi, going back to the thing you mentioned earlier, the reveal of the alien queen was actually incredibly well done, and I so good, so good. Yes. There really is something about the use of chiaroscuro in that scene that is oddly ethereal. It it feels it it does a good job of delving into the realm of nightmare because on the one hand you have this this sort of hideous black hulk sitting on top of a backlit semi-translucent egg sac that's sort of pulsating and writhing. You pan up the whole thing and then you see this effect where there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke or dry ice or something like that backlit with very strong floodlights or whatnot to 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 make something stand out and it's usually used to make something look angelic or or beautiful and that the the tool that is used to enhance the beauty and the sort of the sort of super reality of something being used to show you essentially the face of hell itself i think is really imp- it's, it's an impressive choice and it's like like torpo said it's it's a brilliant piece of execution it's it's just really good also just seeing the alien queen just slowly unfold as it's done panning it's, it's, just, it's a really really well executed shot yeah um yeah, so yeah um is that is that it for you 
I would say so. Okay. Uh, Axe, what about you? God, to follow everybody up like that, Jesus, because I pretty much agree. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Torpid posted something in the actual podcast thing, so I'm just gonna say it right now. He points out that throughout the movie, Bill Paxton constantly apologized to Carrie Henn, the uh, actress who played Newt, uh, because uh, every time he swore in front of her, and then uh, later on she admitted she didn't mind mostly because she didn't know what, what he was saying. <laughs> So just it's it's a little things like like there's, you could see there's just so much chemistry between the entire cast, even, even the grunts who are just there to be alien fodder. Everybody mixes well. There isn't a bad pairing in any of the scenes at all. You know, everything feels natural. Everything feels organic. You know, you get those kinds of movies where the writing, nobody fucking talks like that. Nobody acts like that. Uh, Rafferty pointed out, you know, throughout most of the movie, people act in certain rational ways or ways that you would expect a person to react in it with, you know, uh, Ripley trying to overcome the PTSD from Alien 1. And then just how even though she's slowly overcoming it, you see her sort of slide back and forth between between those things. Uh, And the power loader scene being sort of this super important moment where she's not just combating her ptsd she's fighting for something real she's fighting to save newt's life um and you know it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't go the easy route of making her mate uh matronly it doesn't turn her into a mother figure for newt or anything stupid like that she's always an independent strong woman dealing with a, a terrible situation and that's one of my favorite things about this is that you know there are a little bit of stereotypes here, jarheads and things like that. But for the most part, like everybody's treated as people. And you can see that in their performances as well as how the characters sort of develop through the course of the film. You know, everybody's got their kind of role. Paxton is there as, you know, the goofy dude who provides the comic relief. And then, it, as Torpid said, Newt's there to be a child. <laughs> and Ripley's there as the main character. And, you know, everybody does their parts really well. Sigourney Weaver knocks it the fuck out of the park. You can't say a bad thing about her performance. And Lance Hendrickson does a great job being a android, probably from practice. <laughs> if you've seen any of his fucking films. <laughs> and, no, and I just, oh, I just want to interject here. No love for Paul Reiser, because I think Paul Reiser does an I was excellent actually job. Bring, yeah. I was going to bring oh, yeah. him up, too. Paul Reiser, and I was—I wasn't sure if I got the last name right, so I was fumbling around in my head. Paul Reiser is perfect as a capitalist. He is the personification of a capitalist, and that's what I love about this film too. Torpid brought it up: is just how this film dunks on capitalism all the time. Just almost every single scene has something that relates back to how capitalism has failed these people, failed the planet, failed these soldiers, failed Ripley. You know. And then you have Paul Reiser with the ultimate heel turn fucking just completely tries to get people killed. It's it's amazing like how all these all these scenes and all these characters, everything builds up in a logical way if you watch it and rewatch it and pay attention. Also, um, to be fair, Riser exuded pure fucking weasel energy throughout the whole movie. He did, but yep. you still didn't suspect him of that level of weaselry. And that's how good his performance was. was he was 100% a weasel, but you never would have pegged him for that bad of a person. And that's a what I really... Weasel. Yes, exactly. 
as a writer to Axe's commentary about about how and and Torpo's about about how Weasley Riser ended up being and 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 just the 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 oleaginous scum fuckery that he exuded through the whole show. He 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 went to a screening with his sister, and when they got out of the theater, his own sister kicked him in the shin for being (laughs) such a scumbag. Also, major props on oleaginous. Nice. Well, I I want to emphasize is is, is that Riser's portrayal is is nicely understated. Like when you saw the scene where where Ripley starts to ask about her uh, her daughter in the in the director's cut, and Paul immediately tries to steer the conversation away because you know he wants to get back to stuff. And also when they catch him in the lie, he he doesn't immediately admit it. I mean, compare this to the Paul Riser. I mean, not act not Paul Riser, but the guy who should have been Paul Riser in avatar who is terrible at it he doesn't have the same portrayal or, or anything he's obviously supposed to be paul riser and he's just not good at it so i mean also but i i'm a misery guts i love that part of why that 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 trying to avoid talking about the daughter scene is also very good is just he's very clearly trying to steer it away because he knows it will make her more upset than she already is and she was pretty upset uh, and yep. then we see the picture of her dead 66-year-old daughter, who is actually a picture of Sigourney Weaver's mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if that, because I know that James Cameron's a, like, I know he did it, stuff like that in, um, like, I know he got decked in the face by Ed Harris because of shit he pulled in The Abyss, or The Abyss, right? Is that the movie that he did? That The underwater movie? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, there was a scene where he... Uh, left him in underwater for too long uh, without telling him uh, in a for, uh, kind of an enforced method acting kind of thing. Uh, so I wonder if that was something that uh, they did not consult for um, beforehand, <laughs> uh, which would make sense. I, I don't know. So the Ernie Weaver had a lot of input, but I feel like that was also part of the contract. Also, uh, you bringing up Avatar made me think of the little bit I've seen in that movie. You want to know what character in that movie actually is pretty good? It's a character that's Gordy Weaver plays in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she was yeah. like the one good character I liked in that. If I could give any criticism, because, I mean, it's, there's no perfect film, except maybe The Princess Bride. Um, also, also Flash Gordon. And, and, and Spirit of the Way. <laughs> um, if I could give any criticism, it would be that I feel Newt was extremely underused. There are definitely things they could have done with her character other than just scared child because um, this kid lived in this colony. She absolutely knew this place. And yeah, she's a scared child, but they could absolutely have tried to do something with having her help them get through, like, the ducts or navigate through, you know. There are definite ways that they could have utilized the character a bit more than just, oh, she's a scared child, we need to protect her. Um, but I also, know it's, it's a little long in the tooth, but... This is also the only movie uh, that Carrie Henn ever worked in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, technically, well, only credited role, only credited yeah, role, because right. she was, I think, also was an alien. It, she's in one of the other alien movies as like a background character for some reason. It um, wasn't Alien Three, but we'll talk about that next time. Um, <laughs> so that and like Torpet said, some of the Marines were clearly there as you know alien fodder, so they weren't completely fleshed out. Um, and also that Hudson dies. That's that's a criticism. I'm sorry. Shouldn't have done. That's a, I, I will say, uh, the relationship between Vasquez and fuck, I forget who the other one was. Just like the uh, subtle touches with that. Yeah. Gorman. 
yeah, Gorman, uh, up to their their death in the vent was actually really well executed. And just everything about this film was fantastic. You know, the the planet they they gave this planet its own sort of identity. I mean, even though we spent a lot of times indoors, it's it's just there's so much personality to the sets and the set work. Um, the special effects are fantastic, but Stan fucking Winston. I mean, it's hard to get. I don't. I can't think of a Stan Winston film that was had bad effects. You know, it's like it's like saying that Rick Rick Bowden, you know, had bad. Like, there's no bad Rick Bowden effects or fucking Tom Tom Savini. You know, yeah. the the it, effects the effects work was so good that uh, Fox execs actually went to the producer of the film complaining they spent all of this money on set work and no special effects. And the effects crew and James Cameron turned right around and said, actually, all of that is special effects. Yeah. Yeah, these are mostly models that we've got and you've been looking at. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's fucking amazing what they were able to do. And again, we go back to when this was made. It's a huge thing. This is amazing what they were able to do. It's another reason why I don't enjoy CGI in a lot of movies because you could do so much better with practical effects. Yeah, I, th- I think the restoration uh, for Blu-ray didn't do any favors because remember I mentioned this uses the rear projection technique. And so it might be that back when it aired on really, apparently really grainy film, that that wasn't as obvious. But in the restoration, it's a lot more obvious that they're in front of a screen. I mean, we encountered it in Tron. When we watched Tron, there were very obvious scenes where, you know, they were standing in front of a screen. And it, it, it jars a bit, but for some reason with Alien, there's so much happening that you really got to be paying attention if you're going to pick up on it, I felt. you know. I mean, those scenes are very obvious because there's not a whole lot happening when they did happen. <laughs> Which is also fair. But... I mean, like one it, of them was you saw the model of the ship in front of one of those screens <laughs> to be flying but, away. Yeah, no, it's yeah. I mean, this film, as we've mentioned, is iconic. This this movie served as a template for a lot of sci-fi movies and sci-fi horror movies as well. So I mean, for that to have happened, they just they did a, such a great job with the setting and the characters. Everything in this is just a memorable experience despite it being an extremely long, memorable experience. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, a long movie's not bad. <laughs> das Boot. I just, yeah. the pacing could have been better. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is another criticism. It's, it's a little little rough. I mean, as I said before, it's, it's really long, and I don't feel like most of those scenes were wasted or anything, but I also I feel like it could have been paced better. Yeah, also, consider, yeah. I mean, considering the theatrical cut, they could only think of 15 minutes to cut out. And there's still more stuff they even cut out because there's a whole Paul Reiser gets discovered in uh, the um, egg farm scene that isn't in either either of the cuts. Also, Lolo, I, I want to point out that there is a DOS boot video game. Right? No, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Moving on, Lolo. Yeah, so, um, yeah, because my general thoughts, I do want to kind of fall back on a couple things that were said. Uh, particularly Newt, uh, because there was one thing that I was kind of thinking about this is that I think Newt actually might be the best child sidekick in, or like one of the better child sidekick, because she was actually kind of like she was really good in this movie. Uh, also, it kind of a kind of a low key thing that I don't think has been brought up. Uh, she has a kind of a little bit of sarcasm in her, because like <laughs> uh, there was a scene where one of the Marines was like kind of yelling at her or something, and all she does to kind of respond was to salute. 
which I thought was really funny. And also there was something where someone does something stupid and just pans to Newt and she just gives a kind of a thumbs up, um, which is really good. Um, also another thing, cause just kind of something that uh, Axe, you brought up, uh, cause you were saying about Ripley, how she kind of did, like she was very strong and independent, but you were saying that she didn't give off kind of matronly vibes. I didn't feel like it was, it was, overly so like she very clearly was trying to protect the child but it didn't feel like she was doing it because she felt any kind of motherly attachment it was more this is a human being who needs my help yeah kind of but it also did feel a little bit like she was a stand-in for her kid so that there's also that so the thing that i kind of felt about this movie or at least my interpretation of it um because uh just to kind of do a modern comparison of something kind of like that um where like, I know a lot of people kind of describe the Yakuza games as kind of a, and especially Kiryu, as a way to kind of embolden positive masculinity. Mm-hmm. I feel like this, the Ripley's characterization in this movie is kind of a positive kind of reenactment of what it means to be kind of actually be motherly on mm-hmm. the fact that it's not, you're not doting. It's not about like making to everything. It is about doing what you have to do in order to make sure that whoever you are protecting is kind of safe um basically it is a sense of guardianship that i felt was great and it's something that's not necessarily her child like her blood child that she can feel about it but it did feel like it was kind of a positive a very positive motherly figure not even not like the traditional nuclear family kind of way it's kind of a more esoteric take on what it means to be motherly yeah, it's a better way of putting out what I was trying to get at. It was it wasn't like she was coddling her or holding her to her and, you know, basically being, you know, a surrogate mother. It was as you as you're saying, you know, it's more of this is a human being who I need to protect and take care of. Um and, and she doesn't get distracted by that. That's the other thing too, yeah. is you no know, distraction of her character because there's a child here, you know. Yeah, she doesn't become any less of a badass because she's trying to take care of a kid. Like there, also there feels are... like she actually trusts Newt too, which is important. Yeah. yeah, she actually gives the child's agency, which is really great. Well, it's also a nice holdover from the first film because the entire first movie was just a woman trying to warn a group of men who just continually ignore her, and it feels like they took sort of that that sort of that subtext from the story. And put it into, okay, you know, Ripley is not just a child, but a female child who very clearly people are not going to listen to and trust for a number of reasons. So she's going to instill in her that set level of trust and try to connect to her in that way because she knows what the child is going through on a different level. Yes. At least that's my it's interpretation. Both, yeah, there's also that, that of like helping each other get through trauma, essentially. Yeah. It's just like, it's a really nice take on you know, femininity. And I guess, as you said, yeah, you know, motherhood, you know, it's, it's not a stereotype and it's not this annoying trope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, I just wanted to point that out. Cause not that you're, no, I yeah, yeah. like you were saying was wrong, but I do feel like I that is a very positive. Well, um, trying to think of what else. Um, yeah. Just in general. Um, I thought the Marines were dumb to be honest, basically everyone that wasn't like a, oh, hey, it's clear you're going to be surviving more than half of the movie. Um, like, because there's also like the great, like, I was thinking like the, because I'm like, oh, it has one of those stereotypical kind of uh, tough sergeant characters, but I'm like, you know, at the point that 
wasn't so much of a stereotype at that point. Like, I mean, it was partially like the rough, rough sergeant definitely existed, but it wasn't like in a sci-fi sense, but I, with how influential this movie, I guess that kind of did that. Um, okay. But let's mention how the Marines killed more Marines than the aliens did. And yeah. also, uh, I think you put, I think you posted this Torpid. This, this movie was being filmed at the same time that full metal jacket yep. was being filmed. And both films actually had uh, veterans on on the cast. Obviously, Full Metal Jacket had Arlie Ermey, and it was was it Al Marshall for Al, Aliens. Al Matthews. Al Matthews uh, in they Aliens died the same year. They did. Yep. But uh, yeah, no. Also, the two crews were actually buddy buddy and would spend time together for like parties and shit. It was, was kind of great. Wonder what partying with Arlie Ermy would be. But yeah, no, I just I do find it amusing that the Marines killed more Marines than aliens <laughs> did. Actually, brings especially when this movie brings new meaning to the term friendly fire. But yeah, so There's like no yeah, such thing I, as friendly fire. As I mentioned before, there were like various subtleties. Like, so a good chunk of the Marines were completely kind of shit and gonna die. But uh, I I know Vasquez and I already forgot his name again. Gorman. Yeah, very clearly, like, from the get-go, there was something between them, and it just is only ever hinted at. They never say anything overtly, but, like, even with their death, it becomes pretty obvious. And I thought that was actually a really good touch. Just never really talking about it at length, but you can tell. Yeah. So... Also, spoiled milk. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm just trying to think. The, the setting's really good. I like the colony looks really good. Uh, and that's kind of just in general, my take on the settings and characters. Um, so we've definitely brought up this a while ago, but I do want to kind of talk about it because it is something, um, that this movie, like, oddly enough, uh, same thing that another James Cameron, uh, film franchise, well, technically this isn't his franchise, but some, another thing he worked on, um, sorry if you ask, how do you feel about this movie's tone shift from being, uh, aliens being a pure horror movie? To this being a horror action. So there's always a thing that I bring up whenever something like this comes up. It's it's kind of what I call the Evil Dead rule of three. Uh, if you ever watch the Evil Dead trilogy, not including any of the new stuff that came out, you had Evil Dead, which was pure horror. Then you had Evil Dead 2, which was horror comedy. Then you had Evil De Dead 3, which was comedy horror. Um, and I found that there are a, a fair number of trilogies and franchises that start out in one genre. And then they start to cross genres to the point where they switch and the, the cross genre they did becomes the main genre. And a lot of times it's very awkward. Like if you go from Evil Dead to Dead by Dawn, it's a huge and jarring switch between pure horror and a really campy, goofy horror film, right? But if you go from Aliens to Alien 2, it's almost like it's a natural shift because it doesn't start off straight into the action. Aliens... Alien start, you know, does the whole horror thing. It's very slow burn, and then it hits you with the alien, and then there's still it still stays a horror film. Aliens builds up slowly, and still gives you that same feeling you got from Alien. And then when the action starts to hit, it doesn't feel like it's overblown. It doesn't feel like it's out of place. It feels like a natural progression of of, of the genre, kind of like Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil Two to Resident Evil Three, where Two is still a fairly standard, straight up horror. And then Nemesis is a, a very action-oriented game, and it, they feel like they they just flow together fairly well. Yeah, that that's a 
that's another case. Yeah, that I kind of forgot about that. Uh, not quite the same genre shift as this in like Terminator does, but um, yeah, it is still another uh, franchise kind of doing a genre shift. To be fair, uh, the the Terminator genre shift is much more like stark, a stark contrast. But go on. Um, yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, Chachi had some uh modem issues, so uh, we're gonna just move on. So uh, Rafferty, what about you? Yeah, because um, like well, uh, Chachi pointed out that there was some studio issues because the studio had worked with Ridley Scott and originally the original alien movie is very much uh, a, a dark horror movie because um, I mean, the guy who wrote it, Dan O'Bannon, who, who worked on that, really wanted to make a very um, scary and uncomfortable movie because let's face it, the xenomorphs are giant penis head monsters. Uh, they hired Giger uh, because of his biomechanicals, and the original models are very, um, you know, phallic. The face huggers have testicles hanging off of them. They face fuck you to death the, or impregnate you. And it was designed he, that the original authors wanted to make a movie that was made people extremely uncomfortable, you know, in a dark and brooding and horrible way. Then you have Aliens, which the, you guys all, like, you saw how much this influenced Halo, it's influenced Metroid, it's influenced a bunch of video games. It's very much a huge tonal action shift. And I could see where people would think, oh, this is stupid. Like, you've taken something that was very smart, uh, you know, and, and we really enjoyed and turned it into another stupid Spielberg blockbuster. Um, now I'm saying that's what they thought. I love this movie. I, I, I think this movie, I think they were... We, it could have gone horribly wrong, but for the reasons we already mentioned of how um, they were committed to the craft, they were committed to the presentation, they were committed to the pacing, they were committed to the characters, this worked very well. Because you can contrast this with, I don't know, get what's up with Ridley Scott, but like movies like Prometheus and Covenant are obsessed with the xenomorph as a perfect being. It can you know, merge with other ones and make, I don't know, monsters that eat people. And this is a perfect weapon. It's an umbrella company. The franchise kind of wandered off into a whole weird, you know, it, that's a weird area that I think isn't as, as horrible as the creators think it is. And isn't as, you know, so I'm, so if that alien to Prometheus to Covenant, that's, that's not a good evolution there. And then you have the weird threads that you had in Alien 3 and Resurrection, which try to develop on, it's important that we get this kind of bio weapon. It merges with people. Can we find it? That's also not a good branch. Out of, out of all of the branches, Aliens is a good action movie that emphasizes these are dangerous creatures we need to escape from, and then they escape. And by keeping it in that context, that was the right way to make this particular movie. I, I, I think it's been proven with the other entries in the franchise that other than, you know, getting away from the alien should be what an Aliens movie is about. All of these other threads trying to put something deeper or meaningful or meta-commentary on it are just not working. Oh, you don't want to talk about how the aliens are a bioweapon? I, I, it's so weird that they think this. It's like, it's the future. You've got guns, you've got nukes, who cares? I feel like we can easily just, like, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, anything past. Crystal Skull is perfectly fine. It's Fuck off. Terrible film, but we could. You're basically... a giant goddamn piss baby, but you're, I agree about the alien series. A piss baby. I agree in regards to the. Ra no. 
anything 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 post two you can just ignore and treat as if it never existed because... i mean it existed and there's nothing you can do about it but also you don't need to watch it and don't well it's it. it, it, basically get back on track this movie was very inspirational because it did set set the template for almost everything space marine that comes after i mean all you all these video games you can cite that are inspired well i think metroid's more the first alien but all the Space Marine, all the Gears of War, all that big clunky, that Game Over Man, the iconic talk, Nuke It from Orbit, all that stuff that became X Xbox in the 2000s all just comes from this movie. So this this was a good movie, and I think it was a good path forward. So, yeah. Um, okay, what about you, Torpo? Uh, so actually going back to the tone thing and how Rafferty mentioned that, the, the original intent for the the original alien and, and O'Bannon's uh, idea was, was different. Uh, fun fact, originally uh, an alien, the, the xenomorph was supposed to turn a person into an egg. It wasn't supposed to be like an egg laying queen. And actually that was something that uh, Cameron, that was Cameron's idea, basically hmm. uh, that, that there be an egg laying queen, like many insects, as opposed to O'Bannon's idea, which I I'd argue is kind of, uh, <laughs> You didn't. You didn't think that the because uh, if if I remember correctly, the correct the original life cycle was, uh, face hugger make egg, egg turn chestburster, chestburster turn to, uh, basically I guess a juvenile alien, and then eventually the juvenile alien could become a queen. I think that was the life cycle. No, the, the yeah. queen was Cameron's doing. Okay. Yeah, and and the, I think I would agree that I think the the, the queen's a, a better idea. The Prometheus and Covenant movies kind of enter in that apparently alien xenomorph DNA can can make anything morph into anything else, which it's it's really if it could for some reason the movies are really bad at like Alien Resurrection's really bad at that idea. Okay, but let's talk about the neomorphs then. Let's not. <laughs> I I would much rather I would rather take an ice pick to the toenails than. than but uh so so going back to the original question not getting completely off topic uh it felt like a natural shift like they couldn't do the same thing twice without it getting stale very quickly uh so it felt like a really really natural shift away from the first movie into something new that would still get people uh surprised and excited while still being alien like it doesn't deviate from that original formula massively it's just a matter of scale comparatively and, and don't forget, they still hate capitalists. They still hate capitalists. But it's it's a it's yep. a nice logical turn. Also, yeah, no, it felt it felt like a natural like shift change. Yeah. Like, on, what like, do you do when you 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 have you have a fucking ship that gets you know attacked they, by an they alien? Explored, they explored the formula already at right. length in Alien. Yeah, like it, 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 unless they want to do the exactly the same thing again. Uh, don't tell the rest of the franchise. Um... <laughs> 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 they, they had to grow and adapt essentially yeah. and i felt this was a very good shift because it still very much clung to its horror roots like it was never super gung-ho fucking shoot everything whatever shit it, it very much there was this tension throughout the entire movie like even during the action bits they felt clunky and harsh and there was always this threat that something could go wrong and yeah. that's that's how i feel all right uh, so Chachi, now that you're back, um, do you want to, let's have your, so how do you feel about this movie's tone shift from pure horror to horror action? I think that the intensity with which people debate 
the the wisdom of that choice largely speaks for itself. It is it is so critical to the evolution of science fiction that this movie do something different that I don't really see how it could have gone any other way. Just like Torpo and, and Rafferty had said, the, the, the idea of revisiting the exact same plot, the only reasonable way you could have done it would be to have an entirely new cast completely divorced from the events of the first film and only have the beat of them stumbling across more eggs and having somebody get a face full of alien wing wong and that would have just felt it just would have felt forced and 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 disingenuous the the logical progression of the alien as a threat is to go from an infection that has terminated a small population to an infection that is beginning to grow out of control and that was, I think, I, I do think that there was, there, there couldn't have been any other intent narratively when they were, when they were playing this film out, is the, 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 the alien is, in addition to all, all of its other symbolic weight in the narrative, it's also, if not an organism, something like an organism, much like, you know, the way viruses aren't really alive, but they still, they still move and have something that resembles a goal if you're looking at them, you know, just sort of with a casual eye. So I, I think that, I think that it's not just an appropriate move to make it a more action oriented film. I think that not making it action oriented would have been critical suicide. Hmm. Yeah. I could, I could definitely agree with that. Yeah, like Torp had said, you know, they'd already mined the first movie for as much as they could do. And if they were to try to do that again, it wouldn't. It would have fallen flat because you already got that experience. It really, the the big thing there is not only did Alien itself pretty much delve as far as they could into that, but in the incredibly small span of 1979 to 1982, there were already enough also rans to Alien that you could have run an entire film festival just of shitty Alien knockoffs. And doing it again would have just been self-parody. Yeah. So yeah, that's a yeah. So that's good for that. Um, it did get uh, kind of get brought up. Uh, so I believe going in reverse alphabetical order. So Torpo, uh, how does this watching this movie? How do you, watching this movie now? Um, with how much it's in like with how influential this movie and how often parodied uh, it is, how does it feel watching this movie now of how much it's like, you can so, see the influence on the sleeve. Funny enough. The thing here is like, I only watched this for the first time, like I think late last year. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I it's still kind of fresh eyes at this sort of thing. And I have to say it still holds up incredibly well. It doesn't like suffer horribly from like the Seinfeld effect where just a thing has been aped so relentlessly that it feel in done improved upon that it feels like kind of cheap going back to it. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, this was just so incredibly well done, so enjoyable and so well executed that it still feels really good to watch. It is still good to say and holds up incredibly well. Uh, it helps that it has like the really solid characters and characterization, and then the very unique uh, creature design uh, and the entire setting of it all. It just all comes together so so wonderfully that it's it's still good. Yeah, 
Um, so what about you, Rafferty? Well, if I had to pick Nitz, um, uh, I, I don't think the puppeteering holds up as well as it used to. Uh, the, I mean, uh, uh, there, there's some scenes where, you know, the alien queen obviously looks like a puppet, especially where it's lifted in, uh, poor Lance off of his feet. Plus also, uh, Hmm? Also, the the elevator scene uh, where the puppet was actually too large for the elevator, so they had to take out the back of the elevator uh, and they <laughs> masked it with uh, smoke and lighting in a, a dark curtain, basically. Yep. <laughs> Apparently with a smoke that's illegal to use in movies now because it kills people, which apparently is where that joke comes from in um, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, uh, where they're accidentally killing the crew with smoke. But... Um, uh, in fact, also, what I thought was funny is how people in this movie smoke. You guys noticed that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Ripley, I'll pull out my, my cigarette lighter to set off the fire alarm, something that you could not do today because none of you have cigarette lighters. So um, nobody smokes anymore. Yeah, I actually mentioned that when we were watching it, is it's like kind of funny seeing things that like are interpreting the future, and then everyone smokes in the future, and just knowing it with what we know <laughs> nowadays and how smoking has been massively on the decline it's kind of amusing and also smoking in a place with recycled air is a bad idea yeah uh yeah. but every, you know but hey of course everyone smokes and of course the one thing that hasn't uh um asia well is the portrayal of computers as having giant crt monitors that write in monochrome uh letters like the the, the portable trackers are used very well in the movie for effect, but nobody has a portable computer. Uh, everything's analog. So the one on the one hand, it's really cool that all the Marines have cameras built into their armor in 1986. Like the idea that they would have all this gear that monitors your heart, uh, you know, rate and shows us what you're looking at. That's really cool. That was really future. On the other hand, would it be analog like this and everything clunky? Um, that hasn't aged as well, but I think, um, because everything is big and blocky and industrial, uh, the movies age pretty well because you believe that they're in a terraforming industrial complex. You believe this is a, a company town and everything is covered in hoses and coolant and the military gear is all done done very well. The, the body armor looks natural. The weapons have grips, uh, the steady cam. Uh, heavy chain guns that Vasquez and uh, the other guy use. Uh, Drake. Drake, thank you. Uh, everything looks very natural, and everybody like like everything looks used and lived in, and that's what makes the movie. The fact that it's character driven and everything looks like it has utility gives the movie a timeless quality. It, it's it, it, if it would lose some of that, like if you, I hate to keep bringing this up, but if you go watch like Alien Resurrection. Uh, or or Alien Three, those movies are the opposite of this, where nothing, everything looks obviously repurposed, and none, nothing in it looks natural. So those movies look incredibly fake because they obviously look like sets. Uh, whereas um, in this movie, everything just it looks like a real place. So yeah, that it uh, they lucked out. The movie has an incredible timeless quality that a lot of other movies, uh, even in this franchise, don't have. Also, I will say you're you're commenting on the computers. That's the fucking struggle of writing sci-fi, really. <laughs> At the end of the day, that is pretty much an inevitable problem. Is well, you remember uh, Alien Isolation? Did any of you play that game? I did not. 
to try and simulate the computer effects, uh, they uh, the guy uh, uh, projected uh, lettering onto a television screen, recorded it with a VCR, damaged the tape, and then played that back <laughs> and scanned that for the cutscenes to make the lettering look that. Which is a funny meta commentary about that. But um, also, but compare that to say. Um, Avatar, which is 2009, which aggressively wants its computer tech to look very future, where they've got the hard light hollow screens that they grab and move around. Like, I don't know if it, how well how good that's going to look uh, in 2020, so I'd have to go back and look. I'd say, how well does that look? In, yeah, how does that look like even like a couple years ago? I don't know. We'll find out when they ever make the Avatar sequel. All right, uh, Chachi, what about you? <sighs> Boy, my mind's going to so many different places. It's hard to it's hard to focus on the question. Um, one thing that I will say, sort of sort of bridging the gap between between Norman's in 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 very good fun poking at the um, at at the quality of, for example, the, the computing equipment and whatnot, and of course the struggle of you can never really future proof science fiction because God only knows what the things are going to look like in five years. Um, I think that there is still something of an air of realism to how crappy everything looks in terms of the equipment because the further and further you get away from the the bubble that that um consumers and cutting edge developers live in where they generally get the new toys and when you get into things like industrial infrastructure and you know, or even got even more terrifying, like publicly funded or grant funded organizations, the computing equipment looks like fucking dog shit. You would not believe how behind the curve so many organizations are in terms of equipment. So the oh, the God, fact yes, that like it's it's fa- shit. Oh. yeah, it's it's fairly it's it's still fairly dated looking when you look at the hospital when she's you know been brought back to the orbital facility for Wayland Utani. But I think that really the only, the only thing you could say to that is like modern banks still run on fucking COBOL. And if you know anything about, about, about programming, it's like they're on clay tablets. It's insane. Uh, actually, I remember joking about the hospital scene saying, wow, they managed to make a hospital room look even more lifeless. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, oh God. Fucking tech in publicly funded not even just publicly funded just most corporate and publicly funded spaces is outside of like silicon valley is a fucking shit show i i remember seeing a sign about one place being proud that's moving up from 98 it's like wow (laughs) nice yeah in fact i I forgot to point this out so the portable computers they use in the movie uh, are grid brand portable computers and when (laughs) i worked in a government job uh wow you know what that is uh i had one of those Except, of course, I worked my government job in 1999, so they weren't. So even though it looks cutting edge in '86, it's like I have one in '99. So gray aliens. I mean, shit. I my company that I work for still uses DOS-based programming for maintaining fucking insurance information, and I've seen banks that still use DOS as well. So it's a lot of these companies will cling to the most archaic systems it's sad well, in fact building on what on what chachi and, and axe just said because it's an industrial movie and because it's a military movie the fact that everything looks large blocky and sturdy and old and reliable 
makes you buy into the idea of, of the movie because everything looks like big, heavy industrial. If we had spent more time, you know, in, in the commercial or residential places, or they were trying to do a more Star Trek happy utopia, then it wouldn't have aged as well. The fact that the movie is aggressively industrial and capitalist and utilitarian really helps with that, with that quality. So I would agree with that. Yep. Uh, so I think we're on X. So I, I believe so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's again, coming, coming back, back to me hearing all these, these views that I, I a hundred percent agree. I don't agree. I, I agree with Chachi in that. I don't agree with Rafferty, even though I know Rafferty's just kind of joshing about it, but you know, I think actually the, the retro futuristic look really holds up well, actually, because oh, I agree with that. Okay, because I thought you were saying the opposite that it didn't hold up well. Um, no, I mean, I, yeah, no, I, I, I am, I'm agreeing with that. Okay. No, just pointing out it's one of those things that's funny in hindsight, kind of deal. Yeah, because I mean, the way I, the way I looked at it when, when, when I first saw it, and then again, actually last year, I when I watched it, um, was you know, back then we had no idea, you know, where it was going to go, and obviously CRT was kind of like the big thing, so. You know, there's plenty of CRT laying around. It kind of makes sense. Well, let's just jump, shove this in there. But instead of it, it's wall-mounted keyboards of the future. And, you know, just lots and lots of monitors. And that's kind of, that's the future. I mean, you look at um, any kind of media that tries to attempt to guess the future has got some wacky ideas. One of my favorites is Parks and Recreation, where they have the idea that like dude throws a tablet on the ground, activates an app on it, steps on the tablet, and now it's a skateboard. I mean, you know, there's it's it's one of those interesting things where even when you go back to it, I think it's I think it's interesting how how they they felt the future is still going to be it was going to be very similar to the present, but a little less shitty, maybe is kind of what no, they're going for. Actually. And then <laughs> and then bringing up how Rafferty bring up how it's a uh, very blocky, very industrial. And, it, and I think that's I think that absolutely. And I, I think we're agreeing on this part is it fits so perfectly because that's exactly how the military would design shit like that. They wouldn't design it to be aesthetically pleasing. They wouldn't even design it to be all that efficient, to be honest. They design it to be reproducible uh, at a, uh, a cost-effective rate, and it uh, barely functions. That's a, mm. I'm not talking. Uh, uh, we're not talking about the F-35, okay? <laughs> no. Okay. I, I, we're not I, I, talking like, I think full full-on fucking... I'm just talking the basic systems to run shit. I'm not I, talking I, the shell that it runs in. I mean, I think the good comparison would be they would design the automatic turrets to be able to be packed away, tiny, and then survive the crash of the yeah. dropship that was bringing them to you. Yeah, I think but, you would agree there. Yeah, so, like, the tools themselves, they'll probably spend shitloads of money on, but, like, the actual systems... It's just going to be shit that's decades old. And you say that, but VR. <laughs> America's yeah, well, they, Army. They, yeah. <laughs> in fact, it's funny because they don't do a lot of VR smart sighting uh, in the movie, which, you know, by the 80s, maybe. But I, I think I think the, the apogee of all this was the LED display that's on the gun that shows you how many bullets are in it, which, which they started imitating in video games later. Because LEDs, when's the last time any of you saw LEDs? But uh, it works for the movie because it goes back to that practical lived-in industrial thing. The idea that I would have a number on my gun that shows me how many bullets are in it 
is something we would actually want to have. And so even though it looks retro future today, we believe it in the context of the movie because that's something people would want and use. I mean, the last yeah, time I saw other... LEDs was in a keyboard at a guy's house, and he had two monitors, so I walked right the fuck out. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, Josh. One, one other thing about how blocky everything is and how old it looks is that, I feel, is also another jab at capitalism and the general trajectory of thought of the military-industrial complex in that they'll get around to developing something when they figure out how to make as much money as possible on it. Until then computers weapons people it is all intended to be used until it is ground to dust right and 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 again it really like the whole design is just built around like you said long longevity and you know can we mass produce these things and if we can mass produce them can we also deploy them in in a fast amount of time so it, it all of all of the movie is from from just like the way that they treat the uh, the the actual corporate people, the corporate entities, all these individuals, down to the fucking sets, is just a giant criticism of both capitalism and, as you said, the military-industrial complex. And it's so interwoven into the the story and the setting, and it's just fantastic. And because we kind of got a little off track, how how it feels in terms of games and movies. I mean, this movie is kind of the bedrock for so much that's come out as we've mentioned already. And yet it's still unique. It's still fresh. Every time you go back and watch it, there's something new and interesting to pick up on and it never loses its identity. And and I think that's, that's a testament to how good this movie is in terms of writing, set design, special effects, uh, just the entire, the, it's it's its own aesthetic. The future, the retro futuristic aesthetic of Aliens has never been replicated by any other film. No, really? no other movie could hold credit to the look that Alien, the Alien franchise has. Oh, I, I would agree. Even the sequels have trouble with it. And well, I mean, Aliens: Colonial Marines is a shit show video game. Uh, and but it doesn't even it, it doesn't look like this. Uh, I, isolation looks kind of like this, but a little different. But you're right. This a lot of things rip this movie off, but nothing looks like this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you say that, Rafferty, because I've actually just started to develop a, a problem where every time somebody mentions Alien: Colon Marines, my hand just starts jerking off really slowly. Um, terrible game. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic to kind of go back to this and. You know, there are a lot of old movies that definitely don't age well and or have spawned entire, uh, you know, subgenres or even, you know, uh, heavily influenced them. And you go back to them, it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, I can't do this. Um, a good example was um, I had never played World of Warcraft before, but I played just about every other MMO you could possibly imagine. So by the time that I finally did play World of Warcraft, I knew how to play it. I knew the controls. I just jumped right in, and it was kind of like, yeah, I've seen this before. And I don't get that feeling when I watch Alien, Aliens or Alien 2 or whatever you want to call it, Alien Dead by Dawn. Um, it's, it's still a unique individual movie that managed to inspire so many games and movies afterwards. I think that it's a testament to how complete a success that this movie was that even when we were doing sort of a last minute brush up the other day to 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 get ready for this episode of media delta 
um, we had somebody in, we had, we had two people in, in the viewing group who had never seen the film before. And one of them was basically dug in like a tick. He was hanging on every single plot thread. Every time something happened where things got worse, he was audibly horrified to the, to the point where you could almost hear his body language. And I've seen this movie enough times that it's become sort of like an old comfortable pair of pants where it's really nice to be in, but you do notice a few flaws. And to a first time viewer, you are so wrapped up in the experience that somebody would have to stop the film and explain to you why there was a problem. And even then, I feel like they'd probably still enjoy it when you hit play again, because to be frank, I, I don't, I don't like run and make popcorn for most movies if I'm just watching it at home. And I bolted directly for the kernels the second I knew this thing was on. It is such a good movie. I mean, it's it's a timeless film, and anytime I anytime I have an excuse to watch it, you know, when Paxton passed away, I threw it on as part of a, a movie marathon for it. And then I was doing uh, one of my horror movie festivals, and I decided to do all three films, uh, well, the two films and whatever nonsense came after. Um, and just any excuse I have to watch this movie, you know, is, is it makes me happy. And very few films are films I can rewatch over and over. This is 100% one of them. Yeah, no, I, I first time I watched it was strictly because Somo made me. And goddamn, <laughs> I fell in love with the movie. Bill Paxton. I mean, I, I there's so much to love in this movie, but, you know, there's a special place in my heart for, for the most, one of my, one, one of, I consider him an underrated uh, actor and director is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. And he ad-libbed a lot of his lines, Doesn't including yeah, like game, game Over. Game Over Man line. <laughs> game Over Man. So now that we've gotten that, I, I'm pretty sure this last question is pretty much already answered. Uh, but we'll, we'll answer it anyway. Oh, do you not uh, have anything to say, Lolo? Hmm? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else left to say. Because <laughs> I think we pretty much nailed it. Basically, yeah, it was really weird watching it. And it's like, especially the thing where it's like, oh, is he going to say the line? Do you want to say it? Oh, no, not yet. Not yet. Oh, 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 there it is. There it is. There it is. Finally, now. now we can turn it off. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it is just really weird. It was kind of weird watching it, especially since this was my first time watching it. Uh, just how... One person literally would not order pizza well, until he said yeah. the line. Because, because, because <laughs> it is your first time watching it, I really am, I really like want to hear your views because we already have very cemented views on this but yours i'm i'm super curious about because you know it's it's your first time experience with it so i'm i i i'll kind of go into my general thoughts once we kind of actually get to ranking it um okay because i i, I do kind of want to get this one question answered longest episode yet. That. uh yeah <laughs> uh, my backup recording is at an hour 30 now um Fuck. so uh yeah um let's see so Axe, do you feel this movie is primed for video games? Fuck yes, just not some of the ones we got. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's great. Uh, the move, the actual game that spawned the, the reason why it's of it, we're doing this through Media Delta uh, was a a prototype Famicom disk system game, uh, and also technically Alien Trilogy in a way. But technically, um, yeah, yeah. But no, and, and then and into some. To some degree, Aliens Colony Marines, because Colony Marines picks up directly after uh, the events of Aliens. And it's it's a shame because this is such a good fucking movie, and you've got so many. You could make a perfectly good 
four-player survival horror game out of them. You yeah. absolutely could. And the fact that we never have gotten that, the closest we're going to get to a decent alien game is isolation. And that does tie into two. Yeah. Um, Although that's, isolation is also... It, it, is, yes. it is good. It, it also it, is more... It's more akin to one than this. It's also it, good when it, it's not breaking. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes place near the time of two... But uh, it it is heavily based off of one, and yeah, it's it like I said, no, it's a, it's a shame that two just hasn't gotten its due in terms of video games because there's so much you could do with this. So so I'm gonna be honest real quick. Adding more people makes it harder for thing to be scary. I would say yes and no. I think it just depends on your execution. Because I've played I've played games with other people and and have gotten scared. It's just whether or not they're able to pull it off. It's harder for sure. It's definitely harder, but if you've got a good enough atmosphere, a good enough uh, antagonist, and you've got uh, the right kind of level design, a four-player co-op could be fucking terrifying. Yeah. Also, it, knowing how to split people up, but yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Like you'd have to you'd have to be very careful of how to develop that game, but you can definitely you can do a multiplayer horror. But I do definitely agree. I am on the side that uh, fewer people. It is hard to make a multiplayer. Um, Don't get me wrong. I 100% agree that if it's a single player game, it's way more terrifying than if you've got two uh, or any more. But actually, now that I think about it, because I'm trying to think of multiplayer like games that are actually that I think are scary. The only ones that I can think of, um, actually, if you're providing you're not playing the game wrong and being a jackass, uh, SWAT four <laughs> can actually be kind of terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I love that side call out. That's beautiful. Uh especially like during like the um it, in that game like the the, the tenement mission where you're doing like the death cult or like the the murderer like obviously you're not doing like a cop style game with aliens but um Okay, but the good thing about that is if you've got a, a jerky enough partner, they can make the game scary all on their own because you it's never know true. when they're going to fucking tase you or gas there you. There was a squad hunting me down <laughs> at one point, and they couldn't catch me. They couldn't get me. Yeah, All or, I do is tear gas them and run away. Or the other thing you would kind of uh, have to do, which I think that actually that predator game that got announced and i haven't heard anything oh right asymmetrical about. it's a hunting ground. Yeah, asymmetrical yeah. multiplayer is good like yeah. that would actually work really well because you don't want to have to fear an alien with people intelligence yeah like yeah. what about uh dead by daylight yeah dead by daylight uh um, i i always felt worked well there was um in aliens vs predator 2 on the pc it did have a pvp mode uh where it was aliens versus predators versus marines and that could get pretty damn scary because the aliens moved around really quickly, the predators had their invisibility. Actually, Lola, were you the one who had a story about that? Uh, no, I think that was someone no. else who was talking about that. Uh, um, basically, they use a flamethrower and is busted hell in the game. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> the thing. AVP, AVP two, the AVP multiplayer games are weird, or like the first person shooters are weird. I want to see someone requested alien AVP, versus predators. I think that was me. Classic. Yeah, because that one is weird because. The first game in that kind of thing is for the Jaguar. It sucks. AVP one, the classic on one, PC. is really good. Um, yeah, 
it's the one I've played and that I remember having really good multiplayer. Not so much a horror game, but that is definitely a fun uh, that, thing. That depends, that depends on which race you're playing or which yeah. species rather, because yeah. there is... <sighs> There are few first-person shooter experiences that can match the abject fucking horror of your motion tracker starting to go off. And it would get set off by anything that moved. If it was bigger than a rat, it would set off the motion sensor. Yeah. Is it an elevator? Oh, yes, this time it is. However, there's also an alien in the elevator. <laughs> and yeah. then AVP2 was just a step up in terms of just direction and just really great design. So, you know, I'm kind of excited to see that. But... um. I but yeah, those are my views on I this movie is absolutely prime for games, and it's a goddamn shame that more hasn't been done for it. Yep. Uh, so what about you, Chachi? Do you have anything to add on whether or not it, this potential for this for games? It's extremely fertile ground, and I think part of the reason you can you can say a lot about the increasingly corporatized um, inertia with which people move towards certain kinds of games and how they want to approach a property, especially a license as big as Aliens. Um, but I think I think one of the things that holds it back is how do I put this? I, I think it's I think it's because a lot of people are they're they're very very resistant to the idea of aliens we were talking a little bit about how polarizing it was to take aliens from a slow burn extremely tense horror film into a slow burn extremely tense and then just shit starts blowing up and guns are blazing and flamethrowers are going off and i think there are a lot of people especially in the gaming industry because surprise surprise it's rife with nerds and nerds love movies a lot of people in the gaming industry, I think, just don't like aliens, and they would rather make an alien game. Um, that's not to say that people haven't given it the college try, and I think that just like we talked about a minute ago, the, the AVP games for PC around the turn of the century were a pretty good stab at it, um, even though they didn't include Predator, which sort of dilutes the experience a little bit. But to be honest, I think that there is still a lot of untapped potential and you've seen games that have sort of flirted with the idea. It's, it's really weird to make this comparison, but I feel like Killing Floor is kind of like an Aliens game in that everybody is slightly doofy and it's all corporate and you're buying weapons to keep yourself alive as biological horrors bear down on you en masse. But there is also sort of a sense of it's a group of it's a group of weirdos with heavy weapons desperately trying not to get killed and i think that i think that the fact that killing floor which was originally i think a half-life mod was, had yeah. such legs that they eventually actually made an honest to goodness sequel to it i think it does show that people even though it's difficult to get acknowledgement for it i think that there is an immense unstated groundswell of desire to play something that feels like aliens something that feels just on the edge of hopelessness the entire experience is just this gyroscope going along the edge of a catastrophe curve and things just keep getting fucking worse and and i think that people really do the the, the rise of the i really i really don't like using the word but it's the best one i can think of that quickly encompasses a lot of the games that people think of when they think of hard video games these days the maso core genre i think there's room for for aliens in that style of thing definitely not in that same gameplay sense where it's sort of an adventure game that's really fucking hard but 
something similar where it's like, Jesus, how could this get any worse? There's, 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 a, there's a black comedy to it that I think really speaks to people. And I think that, I think that we, we, we may yet see something really good come from it. And I'm hopeful that we will. What if Super Meat Boy, but you're a face hugger? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just alien. That's just AVP2. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rafferty, what about you? Wow. Um, yeah, because I feel very, very divisive on this because I, I know like uh, a lot of video game stuff was inspired uh, by that. But now that I think about it, um, does anyone remember Alien Swarm, the bizarre Half-Life 2 mod? Yes, that was, <laughs> I believe, in turn based. Well, no, because that's a there's a there's an Amiga game that's called Alien something. I might have the wrong team. No, title. They, no, it's uh I believe it is called Alien Swarm, uh, but okay. I was getting confused with another game. Also, okay. a completely different game than Alien Storm, which is a Sega-based brawler. Oh, there we go. <laughs> right. Well, but anyway, that game was obviously inspired by Alien because you've got a division of different military guys. It even had a weird facehugger alien in it that was totally OP because if it infected you, you had to get a med kit to remove it, and med kits were a finite resource. And Well, moving on. Uh, that... Um, there's been a lot of video games that are classic failures. Colonial Marines was probably a failure to lack imagination, but Aliens vs. Predator throws Predators in the mix, and that's a PvP game. I agree that maybe an asymmetric game, like Dead by Daylight, um, uh, if I was going to agree with Chachi here, something that was closer to, say, Vermintide or Left for Dead, the kind of, um, we have to get from point A to point B and accomplish an objective, and meanwhile, there will be infinite spawns of monsters to kill us. Could capture some of that feel that you have a finite number of resources and there's a desperation to get from from A to B, which I think like the Colonial Marines game wanted to have but doesn't. Um, or um, you know, the loneliness of say Mass Effect, which Mass Effect has body horror in it, a corporate future, claustrophobia, and emphasis on those settings. Mass Effect comes pretty close uh, to, to that. But, um, I, I mean, on the other hand, I would also want to say that what we've really been enjoying about Alien is the good production design, the tight scripting, the fine acting, and we agree it could be paced a little bit better. All of those things make for a good movie, but I'm not really sure that, like, you know, a video game needs to really set in Alien like itself of just shooting the aliens um necessarily i know a lot of things borrow from it but i really think that there are other games that that had more potential so uh, I, i'm not i'm not entirely convinced that alien needs to be a video game uh, even though i know it's inspired a gazillion video games um but i don't know maybe something alien isolation probably comes the closest and even that had to throw in like humans had to come kill you because apparently they think that you gotta throw in humans trying to kill you. So um I, I would I I I I'm cautiously pessimistic. Alright. Uh what about you, Torpo? Uh, okay. Actually, uh before I uh go on. Uh so you were right, Alien Swarm was the uh technically unreal tournament mod that turned into its own dedicated thing by Valve, um, which is free to play on Steam. Uh that is Alien Swarm. The game I was thinking of was Alien Breed. Uh, which is by okay. Team 17 for the Amiga. Yeah, I think it just got re-released, too. Yep. Uh, so, oh, up. Uh Alien games suck. Uh, 
He's not yeah. legitimately a vast majority of them suck. Isolation's perfectly fine, but otherwise it's a fucking shit show. Uh, but I, I do think, uh, as as Axe mentioned, like asymmetrical uh, multiplayer could work pretty interestingly. Uh, I, I do think another way to do it, just for strictly single player, would be, uh, I guess, because the problem is there's this sharp, this very thin line between player empowerment and being able to threaten them, like make them feel scared. And it's really hard to do both, you know, being able to shoot up something while also being afraid of it and wanting to know when to cut your losses. Um, hmm. That's why I feel like it works really well for the alien, because, I mean, look at all the firepower the, the Marines have throughout, you know, the franchise. And the aliens are still this ridiculous threat to them because yeah. of their, their agility. They're but literally if you shoot them and they get blood on you, you're going to fucking die because acid blood. Yeah, no, I, I'm just saying, like, like it's a very thin line to walk, and it'd be very hard to do for a game, but, like, for something like Aliens, I don't know why, but the first thing I think of is something like, uh, Resi 7. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know just... why you think of that. A no? And Dino Crisis, which never quite got there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Resi 7 would fit real good with that. Being able to be menaced by this alien while also being able to scare it off, potentially, if you're willing to unload. Oh, um, and also... Crap, I, I... I'm not, not able we'll to kill go it. Ahead. It's a, you, this imposing figure who'd always be bearing down on you, essentially, but um, still uh, feeling like you can make a difference and empowered. Yeah, because, crap, I forgot there are two good alien video games, because there's Project Firestarter. Oh, right, they, Project Firestarter, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, I forgot there's also the arcade game Xenomorph. Or Xenophobe. Xenophobe. Xenophobe, yeah. Which, awesome. uh, but... Uh, that's really slow, and it's a big quarter eater. Uh, also, it, it sounds another, like you're uh, slipping into Silent Hill there. Uh, also, uh, another arcade game that we forgot, uh, which was Alien Syndrome, which oh, is right. yeah. almost very blatantly an alien game, up to including, I believe, the characters are based off of Sigourney Weaver and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's also not a good. It's it, <laughs> it, it, it had a good idea, but yes. Um, so yeah. I, Another game that I'd like to throw in the pile uh, is Helldivers. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> kind of game, which I had I, an experience uh, with Helldivers. Which, that was, yeah, that's a that great game. To, it's a great game to make you hate your friends. Uh, uh, yeah, no, literally the first time I played it, I threw a grenade, killed a team. Uh, no, excuse me. I shot a teammate dead and then threw a grenade and killed myself. And that was how I started the game. Uh, also a more lesser known game. Uh, that is uh, pretty interesting, uh, which was a uh, space gun uh, for the arcade, a light gun based game that actually weird. It's very clearly based off aliens, but um, also has a weird. It's weirdly also similar to Dead Space because a lot of it is based off shooting the limbs off of alien creatures in order to mm. prevent them from attacking you. But uh, yeah, so that I do feel like this. It, it is that there, it is also it is very rife for games, but also the ones that have been done, maybe not have done it that well. So it's kind of, I think we're good. We're like uh, a, a VR game. It'd uh, be cool to have an alien VR game. And actually, yeah, another um, thing that actually referenced you brought up actually in your introduction, uh, there is an alien now an alien based tabletop game, uh, which is actually pretty good. Uh, no, I'm I'm talking about the ones from the '90s that Leading Edge made. Oh, um, well, it's yeah. ancient. Not, it's it's not very good. Yeah, there there is actually a new one that is out that is actually pretty good. Um, one other video game that I think we could mention in a discussion of aliens is the 
somewhat ill-fated natural selection and natural oh, selection. Oh yeah, yeah, natural, yeah, natural yeah. selection. Those, those are those are very very clearly inspired by aliens, especially the second one where you have semi-dynamic hive growth, um, and you actually have classes that that make it propagate faster. The problem there is that natural selection was somewhat niche back when it was a mod and and sort of a, a passion project and um the community surrounding it is insanely toxic so playing natural selection 2 is a massive chore yeah uh that that is kind of i i do kind of like the idea because i mean for one side it is a first person shooter the other side the person they're playing the aliens is an rts um so that is kind of neat so it's about time we rank this thing. Yeah, kind of. So, kind of ran that one up, didn't we? Yeah. So, um, to rank this, we have a one to twenty-one scale for how we rank stuff. One being absolute mastercraft. Uh, twenty-one being complete garbage, not even fun to watch. Uh, so in alphabetical order. Um, why don't you just give your number and what? Uh, kind of just a brief kind of like justification for it. Empathy. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, Axe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest here. Uh, this is, for me, this is a three. Uh, this movie holds up well, even now. I could recommend this movie to just about anybody. Um, and it, it's just mostly, it's such a well-made, well-written, well-directed, well-acted, well-shot. Everything about it's fucking great. That's, that's where I sit. All right. Uh, Chachi. Again, I will fully dis disclose my insane bias because Aliens, the film, kicked off many of the passions that I've carried all the way into adulthood. Um, a three is the absolute lowest I could see this film going. If I'm being honest, I would call it a two or maybe even a one. On its own merits, Aliens is an incredible movie that stands the test of time and reaches a broad audience, like Axe said. But additionally, it should be remembered, when this film released, Fox was in danger of going under. Without Aliens, the entire landscape of cinema and television entertainment would be completely different. It was a ground-shaking success, and it deserves recognition for that. So I'm going to say probably a two. All right. Uh, Rafferty. I'd also give it a two because I think it can't be underestimated its influence on video games. We didn't even point out like Alien Resurrection and the Twin Sticks. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, it, it. I think some of the effects hold up better than others. I think there's only a few things in it that are dated. Uh, I'm a bigger fan of the director's, sorry, the theatrical cut over the director's cut, which I think it does make it a little long. But um, yeah, and a couple, you know, little this to pick, but I would go two because I think it's fantastic. Um, it's just not perfect. All right, uh, Torbo. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Uh, mostly due to length and pacing issues, I'd say too. Otherwise, it's just a fucking incredible movie. Just absolutely fantastic all right uh so i mean there's a pretty general consensus that it is definitely what about you what's your uh, opinion yeah well yeah. so my thoughts because yeah as i mentioned this is the first time i watched this movie i'm not gonna lie i it took me a while for me to catch on because at that first bit i wasn't really feeling it um but once the kind of once things started to happen i definitely started to pick up more on it and by the end, I really enjoyed this movie. Like there is, even if I have any nits to pick with it, uh, I still feel like it it belongs in the top three. Absolutely. Um, where I'd kind of stand on it, because from what I've watched this and what I've, because basically if we're kind of, and I'm also, in, I know it's technically not part of the thing, 
But I'm also going to include because the only other movies I've seen in this franchise, I've seen Alien and I've seen Aliens. Um, I'm also going to include it. I've also seen Predator. And I'm going to include this just for a point of comparison between the three. Um, I would, I still say that I much prefer Alien over Aliens. Uh, I just really like the tone of Alien. And I just, I really, that movie is so good. Uh, and this movie's good, but um, I still say I personally prefer Alien over Aliens. I can definitely see why someone would say the opposite, and that's definitely okay. I um, fell asleep during Alien. Yeah. Um, and and I also will admit that I like slower, kind of more methodical movies. Um, <laughs> this, no, I, I, I was going to say, I was going to agree with you, but I think Alien is groundbreaking for different reasons than Aliens is groundbreaking. Yeah. Uh, also, this completely blew his predator out of the water. <laughs> like, it's not even. It's not yeah. even fair. No, it's but I mean, that's fight. Alien and Aliens are both very calculated movies. Predator is, you know, it's it's a nice popcorn sci-fi film. Yeah, yeah. Not to say Predator was oh, it's like, a good movie. I like Predator, but yeah, this just this is even if I preferred Alien, this is still fantastic. Um, I think that two is a good uh, point for it. So just a comparison of things we have in this category right now. Um, at number one, we have Die Hard, uh, which I would go ahead and say, it, granted, this list doesn't work like this, but I would definitely say I prefer Die Hard like a tier over Aliens, even as good as it is. Die Hard is just so good. Um, but at number two, we have Pat Labor, The Early Days, uh, which I would also say is phenomenal and i would probably actually put it at the same if i if you gave me a choice of picking between the two i would have a hard time choosing um and then dirty pair project eden we have at three also the bugs bunny roadrunner movie i would definitely prefer watching aliens over those two movies um well i don't forget that project eden is inspired by aliens also <laughs> yeah, I, get, I get is this something kind of a minor nitpick i don't know if we've talked about this but i kind of feel like niche mastercraft should be a three and legacy mastercraft should be a two because it feels like a niche is it niche is something that's very it's not it's the opposite of universal it's very small group of people will like it and i feel legacy is closer to that uh, uh, niche I, mostly I, refers to to a genre it, actually what i think i should do is just completely rewrite those to be honest that's <laughs> yeah see for me it always implied it was just like a masterwork within its genre yeah, yeah i just put those but yeah, I still I just... feel like I feel like legacy uh, should be if we were to use the current name and conventions. Legacy fits more closer <laughs> towards a universal going up than niche. Niche should would probably come before that because, like so you said, the problem with legacy it's is it's also thing. a carryover yeah. from ranking of shmups. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it is a carryover that I need to. It's meant to be mastercraft from the previous list so yeah, yeah it's... like obviously universal is something that's completely anybody should watch it you know we uh, that kind of thing and then next down should be like oh yeah you know this this holds up still very well it's got some flaws so i wouldn't necessarily say to everybody and then right below it'd be like oh yeah this is very specific people are going to really really enjoy it regardless yeah. we can worry about that some other time yeah no yeah, i just wanted to bring there's... i just wanted to bring up the, the point. yeah yeah, I would not worry too much about the names because they might be changing soon. Um, anyway, uh, just in terms of I, 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 I need to, I need to do some rewrites on some of these things. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's why that's what I was basing my uh, ranking on was the naming conventions. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, this definitely gets a two. 
Like I definitely like yeah, it's just a phenomenal movie. Uh, also, I lost there it is. Okay, so yeah, two aliens. Um, so um, this is definitely a horror film. Um, and uh, let's see, is there anything we want to call out in things like say uh, the music, the charm, the cinematography? Uh, the story slash theatrics, uh, the action, in the art. Thumbs up on everything. Also, uh, G content. Oh yeah, that's the yeah, it is. Uh, also, uh, uh, flashing. There was a lot of flashing. Oh yeah, photosensitivity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually would be a minority in this. I think the music is at best passable. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, the I, music is okay, but I never really. I I didn't really even care. notice the music. That's because there's not there's not a lot of music in it as well. And when the music does show up, I thought it was I thought it was kind of intrusive because I'm thinking of um not not only is this movie like cannibal this movie cannibalizes from Star Trek two and Star Trek three, which Horner did on several different movies actually. So I I, I thought the music is actually the lowest point of the movie. Yeah. Everything else uh, thumbs up then. Yeah, uh cinematography, I absolutely can agree giving that thumbs up. Uh story, I can also in the writing, I can give that a thumbs up. Action, definitely give that a thumbs up. In the art, it it's a very good looking movie, uh, good design and all that. Nay, length. I, yeah, I do think the movie's yep. too long. Yeah, so for yay, nay, length, absolutely. Uh, it is a bit too long. Um, yeah. Um, also pacing. Also, I might throw in there just a, a bit. Um. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to, speaking of pacing and length, I'm going to recommend, once again, theatrical over director. But, I mean, still, that's only 15 minutes of change. Um, yeah. Also, for Yay, I would uh, put in the Made of Abundant Love, because uh, this is very, very detailed and very, it's just very good. And I don't know if you have a charm for, like, Keystone or Milestone. This is one of those movies that you haven't seen, but you've picked up by cultural osmosis, because so much other stuff rips off this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think then that should do it. So Aliens is at two. And just think, uh, this episode is still shorter than the movie. Yeah, <laughs> just barely. Uh, I feel like we we kind of owe it after Crap of the Rapper. <laughs> yeah, we, just... we need to bask and sort of soak in the goodness that is this movie and this yeah. discussion about this movie. Yeah, I can't believe that Prapplerop was the first one we just bailed out of because we couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> and we sat through some shit. I kind of want to yeah. sit. I want to sit down and watch it to see just how bad it is. Just, just watch. Go the ahead. First, watch the first episode. It's on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Fucking enjoy. Yeah. What's that phrase they use these days? Fuck around and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. What What are the yeah, kids? Yeah, it's say? you lose. Thir- you lose thirty minutes of your time. Uh, and you lose 30 minutes of your life. Yeah. I got a weekend. It'll last through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, that'll do it for our discussion of aliens. So before we go, um, Axe, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, yes, I stream at twitch.tv slash Axe Immortal, and I'm going to be streaming Doom Eternal all of next week. All right. Uh, Chachi. I stream alongside my spouse, Max, at twitch.tv slash Max and Chachi, M-A-X-N-C-H-A-C-H-I. We do variety streaming. We are currently streaming Bug Fables and are working up towards a passion project where I will be playing as many Ace Combat games this year as I possibly can. Welcome to die. Thank you. All right. Dot JPG. Uh, all right. Rafferty. 
I work for SanguineGames.com, and if you're a fan of Giger, Mobius, Jordanowski, Dan O'Bannon, and new, uh, new Wave Science Fiction, that is where Alien comes from, uh, we'll be having our Myriad Song tabletop role-playing game, which is inspired by the same sources, on sale. All right. Uh, Torpo. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Typist at Typist on Twitter. And I'm here to plug this gaping chest wound left by all this alien acid. <laughs> all right. Uh, so uh, that'll do it for a discussion of aliens. Uh, so next week we have something that is not as high quality as this. <laughs> um, we're going to be, because Parappa the Rapper fell through and we could only get through Thing and I was going to do two sets of that. Um, let's go ahead and just take a look at the Legend of Zelda cartoon. Because <laughs> uh, we got to get Help. through that at some point. And thankfully, that entire thing is like an hour long. Um, so, oh, yeah. It's also yeah. more watchable than Parappa. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, that'll be it for this. That's it for this week, and that'll be next week. So, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Media Delta. If you would like to view the entire list of rankings for yourself, you can go to r3.ldp.life to see the residence and essence list that Media Delta covers, as well as the other lists that are covered by our sister show, Retro Rank Rhapsody. If you would like to watch Retro Rank Rhapsody, you can watch it live on Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash or you can view any of the episodes anytime at youtube.ldp.life. If you would like to help with hosting costs, you can go to patreon.ldp.life and help out with a $2 or $5 pledge. If you would like to discuss this episode in any other episode of our community, you can join our Discord server at discord.ldp.life. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can follow it at HazeltownStory, or you can follow me, your host, at LoloDePuzzlo. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come back for a round for the next episode.